You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to episode 156, part six, folks, part six. Uh, Let's wrap up this article at techjury.net. It says, there's an exponential need for more data accessible at all times and from remote locations. The above data center statistics prove it. Now, from remote locations, very important because as I explained to you, it's a system of inclusion. They want everyone connected to the internet, everyone connected to the cloud at all times. That's the only way you're going to get central bank digital currency to exist. All right. And central bank digital currency, if it becomes the new world order worldwide currency, that itself acts as the prison walls. Because if you cannot spend it, all right, and you cannot use it, you cannot purchase things with it, you cannot give it to other people outside of a certain range at any given day decided by an algorithm, which is the prison planet warden, your personalized prison planet warden, who's going to stop you from moving into district 13 from district 12 or district 15 from district 16 all right they can shut your wallet down your ability to spend therefore you can't buy fuel for your car or your scooter you can't buy water you can't buy a snack you can't do anything right that's how they can lock you down that is the prison planet walls that travel around with you it's like having a force field around you they decide when it opens and when it closes and so they need the internet and they need the data which will be this cbdc and the algorithms running back and forth from the data that you're sending and downloading they need all that to work to be able to turn everyone into a slave within the system, a prisoner within the system. And that's why it's important that they bring all this into these uh, remote locations. It goes on to say, countries with the most significant numbers of center facilities in the U.S., China, and Canada, where access to physical space is more available, yet as the need for data grows, the physical space for data centers shrink, right? Because they've got to build these massive Costco's of data everywhere, these massive Amazon warehouses. Goes on to say, will we live to see data center locations outside the scope of planet Earth, such as setting them on the moon through decentralized infrastructure models and technology? Only time will tell. Now, that could explain... (laughs) That could explain... Uh, some of the reasons why they would be doing uh, space exploration. That could also explain why all of a sudden there's so many people that popped up talking about uh, flat Earth. And, I, and I'm not, look, I, I don't even want to debate that. I'll have a discussion with anyone on the flat Earth theories. I've looked at it all. I just, I, I don't feel like I'm trapped in the matrix because I don't believe in flat earth. I just think the flat earth provides cover for a lot of stuff that's happening because I've listened to a lot of the foremost flat earthers and then they'll tell you that Starlink satellites don't exist. You know, certain things don't exist. This doesn't exist. 
And to me, uh, that provides cover for the technocracy because then it creates a whole bunch of folks running around out there saying, well, this isn't real because of flat earth. And uh, I know the government lies about everything. The state lies about everything. There's so much propaganda, but not everything is. And if we say it's flat earth and they can't have satellites and they can't put the data centers, which are the heart and the brain of controlling the prison planet, then we're not looking to what they're doing. You start saying, okay, well, Starlink isn't real. Then the supposed 500 satellites that Elon Musk is launching aren't real. And this isn't real. And that's not real. And then meanwhile... They're setting up Costco warehouses full of servers to collect all the data and process it up on the moon. Uh, then that's how they're going to control us. And we didn't look to it. We didn't try to understand it. We didn't try to stop it or expose it because we're just going to settle on uh, flat earth. Then uh, we set ourselves up for some, some pretty dangerous scenarios here and then that's my only issue with it so if anyone is a flat earther you know you could come on the floor is open i'm not a uh, controlled op that's trying to stop people from talking about it i'm just saying i believe it provides cover i've looked at a lot of the evidence i've listened to a lot of podcasts on it and uh it's interesting and there are a lot of um really important pieces of information they provide a lot of the stuff i believe in uh but i also at the same time believe uh, these folks are trying to lock us into a prison planet here. It goes on to say, yet we can't deny that the growing need for data calls for new solutions to address the challenges regarding geographic and environmental concerns. All right. So at the same time, we have this geographic, meaning the land, and then these environmental concerns. Uh, and you'd say to yourself, okay, well, why have these guys been the big pushers, you know, of the environmental concerns? Why have they set up the environmental concern, the climate grift, the or climate hustle, the green grift and all this stuff? Are they not creating an obstacle for themselves? But as we know, that's all part of the uh, grift creating buy-in creating a whole fake industry of solar panels and and windmills and everything else to create millions and millions of people that rely on the industry so they can keep it alive but what's the purpose and uh, wide awake jim is laid out i i do tend um to believe in some of this that it will be for the purpose of creating the carbon credit system for all people uh, based on the energy system from the original technocracy incorporated documents back in the 1920s 1930s i do tend to believe that and then that's how they're going to say well you guys didn't buy enough ev cars you didn't switch over to green energy even though they knew we couldn't do that and the purpose is to get us to accept carbon credits and then drive us into a central bank digital currency system backed by the carbon credits all right so for me i uh i personally see that uh, that is probably one of the reasons why they created the whole climate hustle and these guys are going to keep building server farms and data centers regardless of if people get upset about the fact that they're using energy plus as you see they've already set the narrative uh, that they are not consuming as much energy because they are doing it in a clean sustainable fashion all right let's move into the video i found from one year ago 
This is inside Amazon's massive data center. Let's take a look at this because this is one of the newer videos um, that I was able to find. I think it's important for us to look at this latest technology. Amazon Web Services is an unrivaled colossus of the internet age, providing the computational horsepower underpinning countless organizations. From Netflix to BMW, Disney to GE, Tinder to the CIA. It earns tens of billions of dollars a year. And if you've used the internet at all lately, you've probably used Amazon Web Services without even knowing it. Join us today as we enter the belly of the beast and take a sneak peek inside an AWS data center. In stark contrast to its cardboard boxes, vans, trucks, jet planes and warehouses, Amazon prefers not to brand its vast portfolio of gargantuan data centers. But these monumental server farms are the very guts of the firm's wildly successful AWS, that's Amazon Web Services, division. AWS began life at a 2003 meeting in the lake house of CEO Jeff Bezos. The firm had just emerged strong from the dock combust, but Bezos's fast-growing retailer was having difficulties setting up and rolling out its own internal server capacity. A scheme promising fast, scalable server infrastructure was duly hashed out, and was swiftly identified, by the more enterprising young guns in the room at least, as a potential spin-off service Amazon could sell on to other companies. Okay, that's the official story, folks. So, Amazon was having issues uh, delivering their own goods, and so uh, they go up to Jeff Bezos's lake house, and they come up with this idea for Amazon Web Services. I'm sure the government and DARPA had nothing to do with it, folks. Nothing to do with it whatsoever. Let's continue. Fast forward to today, and AWS rakes in a whopping 60% of all Amazon profits. That's about $50 billion a year. How? By taking on other companies' tech problems in the cloud. If you're a startup in 2021, you no longer need to invest precious capital in vast banks of noisy expensive servers and battalions of nerds to maintain them. You just rent time on Amazon's gear instead. That's the cloud. When you're busy, yay, you hire more gear. If you're quiet, whatever, you hire less gear. The actual gear in question is jealously hidden from prying eyes by Amazon. Even clients aren't allowed to poke around in the data centers they pay for and their addresses aren't made public. But here's what we know. Take a typical site in Loudoun County, Northern Virginia. All right, Loudoun County, Northern Virginia. That's uh, Ashburn, Virginia. That's what I told you about. With over uh, 275 data centers located there. Uh, supposedly over 70% of the internet traffic of the data created runs through Loudoun County that has over 18 million square feet, over 450 acres of data centers there. Over 70%. Of the world's internet traffic and data runs through Loudoun County before it goes back out to the world. Folks, when we get back, let's pick up there with Loudoun County. We'll get through the rest of this video. And then tomorrow, we're going to pick up and talk about intelligent um, intelligent data centers. Uh, I want you to understand what that is, and we're going to go through all the cloud server stuff. I'm going to show you all these cloud-based data centers, uh, all the different companies that control them, and we'll get into uh, the nuts and bolts of chat GPT, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to break this all down for you. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's um, pick right back up. I want to get through this Amazon Web Services video. And uh, I mentioned it earlier, but to give full credit, this comes from uh, Tech Vision. Tech Vision. And this is about a year old, folks. So if you're looking for it on YouTube, you know how to look that up. All right, let's continue. AWS is set to run at least 50 individual data centers in this region alone, covering several million square feet. Believe it or not, Amazon is planning on adding still more capacity in Northern Virginia. For instance, a 100-acre site near Dulles Airport the firm reportedly just shelled out a cool $73 million for. On entry to one such data center, let's say this giant nondescript box next door to a pet resort in Sterling, the first thing we notice is that security is the overriding concern for AWS. There's high fences, guards, and several layers of intrusion detection systems, most obviously cameras. When access is permitted to very limited people for very limited periods, two-factor authorization is required on at least two occasions during the visit. If a visit is sanctioned, this is extremely rare, visitors are accompanied at all times by at least one authorized member of AWS staff. Now, folks, if you think... And uh, if you're only listening to the audio version, they're showing visuals. I've seen some of this myself. Literally uh, multiple layered fences like a prison with uh, barbed wire, razor wire, all this stuff. We saw some of the security that Google has. If you think that's all to protect uh, Amazon's uh, customer data on which pair of socks you bought last Christmas, you're out of your mind. Uh, Amazon has huge contracts with United States intelligence, housing intelligence data. What do you think all the intelligence data is? It's all the data they're collecting from everywhere. This is the structure that is going to run the prison planet. Let's continue. This so-called perimeter layer is passed. The next stage of the data center is known as the infrastructure layer. This is where crucial systems like backup power, fire suppression, and most importantly, HVAC or air conditioning are situated. To maintain market dominance, AWS data centers cannot be allowed to fail ever for any reason. As such, water, power, telecommunications, and internet links are all designed with full redundancy. And keeping all those servers, as many as 80,000 in a single data center, running requires Constant monitoring of ambient temperature and humidity to prevent. You heard that 80,000 servers in a data center. And then I believe they said over 50 new data centers going up in Loudoun County, which I told you yesterday I'm going to go out there and uh, do a show from there, hopefully. And, uh, you know, this huge one they spent $73 million on to get the space to build one near Dulles Airport, where I was the other day dropping off my dear mother-in-law. Let's continue. Overheating. If the worst should happen and a fire breaks out, a suite of systems involving water and gaseous sprinkler systems are rigorously maintained and good to go in a crisis. Past the infrastructure layer, and we're finally where the real magic happens, the so-called data layer. Security is even tighter here, with a secretive array of intrusion detection systems and even stricter review process for anybody going in or out. Even if something minor happens, for instance, an internal door is held open slightly longer than usual, alarms are triggered. All access points are fortified with multi-factor electronic control devices. If a data breach, physical or virtual, is even so much as suspected, the relevant server is automatically disabled and shut down. 
Oh, don't worry, folks. This was just Jeff Bezos and a couple of nerds came up with this whole thing um, in uh, Jeff Bezos' lake house. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of guys. They came up with this, all the layers of security, and just magically, in a couple of years, they built these things that look like the inside of an alien spaceship. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they designed and engineered and architected and had developed all these customized racks and servers. Oh, yeah, guys, just comes out of nowhere. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, it's just magical. Jeff Bezos and a couple of uh, Geek Squad gentlemen they just came up with a lake house they were sitting outside tossing egg corns at their uh, beer bottles and they came up with this idea right right these security systems are audited throughout the year according to a robust 2600 point checklist supervised by external bodies these external auditors can request access to anything in the data center from humdrum logs to security footage or even the very cameras themselves AWS staff are sometimes plucked at random from their shifts and interviewed about topics like the disposal of media, itself a process that's held to exacting and robust compliance metrics. And where do they get all those people, folks? Uh, Henry Murray's assessment of men. Remember, you have to be a robot to work inside this. And as you can see, the AWS facilities operate as smart cities. These are little prison planets. These are prison yards. That's what they are. And the people that work there are not the prison wardens. These are the actual slaves. These are the people chosen through assessment of men. Let's continue. Let's look at the hardware itself. In the midst of all this hypersecurity, it's maybe easy to forget that AWS data centers are fundamentally just enormous banks of servers. A typical AWS data center will hold anywhere from 50,000 to 80,000 servers, running on a combined 25 to 30 megawatts of power. It's said that AWS could quite easily double this size and make even bigger data centers. However, like everything Amazon-related, it's all a question of finely calibrated scale. Distinguished engineer and AWS VP James Hamilton told attendees at the company's reInvent conference in 2016 that beyond a certain point, increasing the number of servers and racks per center no longer lowers the incremental cost. At some point, the value goes down and the costs go up. And in our view, this is around the right number, Hamilton says of the data center size AWS usually goes with. Thrillingly, Hamilton employs the term blast radius to underscore the impact a failure might lead to in a much larger data center, hence the relatively modest dimensions. Still, 80,000 servers is plenty, designed to take in, according to Hamilton, some 102 terabytes of data each and every second. Significantly, the engineer also hinted that the bandwidth within the center is wildly higher even than that. Ever evangelists for vertical integration, Amazon have made great strides in streamlining and perfecting the servers themselves over the years. Unlike other co-location server infrastructure providers, AWS has a much clearer understanding of who will be using its hardware and for what. Removing this requirement to be versatile and generalist has enabled the firm to devise ever more efficient server architectures. When mundane software operations are translated on the hardware or even the very silicon of the chips, this can shave nanoseconds off of processing times. And Folks, is, is your head spinning yet? I want to let this play because uh, I'm not going to stop and break down every little element here. But again, this is a year ago. This is Amazon Web Services Data Center. They're all over the place. We're going to get into it tomorrow. Don't worry about that. But I wanted you to see how much it's changed, how much it's grown in a seven-year period as we mixed in statistics uh, from that 2023 report. This is where we're at, and we're going to talk about intelligent data centers tomorrow and get into the cloud 
uh, computing data centers, all the information we have. This is the structure. This is what they're building. It's not magical. It might seem like a lot. It might be a little hard to absorb, but we're breaking this down as, into um, as much a layman's terms as we can for you guys. But if you want to understand this system, you really have to dig into this. Let's continue here. At Amazon scale, that makes a big difference. Initially, AWS bought service off the peg, as it were, from traditional suppliers. But steadily over time, the firm began developing its own single-depth servers, exquisitely optimized for airflow in AWS buildings running AWS software. AWS has even developed its own so-called Graviton chipset since acquiring Israeli firm Annapurna. These Graviton chips, currently in their second generation with a third on the way, use the power-efficient ARM architecture. This represents a break from long-term Amazon partner Intel and its x86 architecture and is said to give AWS clients 40% better price performance, essentially putting supercomputer-level power in the hands of regular commercial users. In terms of storage, a single standard-sized rack in an AWS center can hold 11 petabytes. That's a million gigabytes of data on 1,100 disks, multiplied, of course, by many thousands of times across many hundreds of data centers all around the world. AWS routers, here comes the science kids, can run custom ASICs or application-specific integrated circuits that support 28 ports with 25 gigabit Ethernet connectivity. This diverges, fun fact fans, from the industry standard 10 gigabit Ethernet and 40 gigabit Ethernet networking speeds, but apparently, according to James Hamilton, offers economies of scale when paired together at 50 gigabit Ethernet. Net All right, so just... just to stop that there, because your head's probably spinning. Don't worry, we don't have to do all this math. All right, over the coming shows, I may break down some of this for you, but just know that it's enormous. It's processing power and storage of power is enormous, enormous. Um, just unfathomable, folks. It, it, it's, it's insanity. Let's continue. Working between data centers, essential to provide security and backup for crucial client info, happens over Amazon's own private 100 gigabit Ethernet network, which connects the 25 international regions and 80 so-called availability zones across the vast AWS worldwide network. AWS even lays down its own private undersea cables. But back to our data center. Cooling is an overriding priority, and to minimize environmental impact, AWS, in particular in Loudoun County, Virginia, set out to use as much reclaimed water as possible. This stops the company hogging all the precious local drinking water, which would obviously be a PR nightmare. Loudoun Water, the local utility, are happy to provide this reclaimed water at a competitive rate. AWS pays serious taxes here, but it's worth noting that elsewhere, AWS has installed its own on-site water treatment systems. These prevent pipes clogging up with mineral sediment, which in turn causes costly hassle and delay. And if you think that's crazy, the company has even started developing its own power substations. All those servers use a fair bit of juice, so instead of waiting for slow-moving traditional power companies to develop infrastructure to keep all those all-important racks humming at all costs, AWS simply builds electric substations itself. Day-to-day -day operations within the data center are described by some ex-technicians as being akin to an ER department for computers. With that much hardware, inevitably things seize up, stop pinging, or require a reboot. Fault-finding and upgrading equipment is left to a small army of techs who follow rigorously drilled playbooks that cover almost any conceivable eventuality. Metrics are set by supervisors, encouraging teams to complete tasks quickly and efficiently. Some have complained that the working environment is cold, and it's certainly very loud. In the future, we can expect to see more and even louder AWS data centers come online. 
From early 2020, a new AWS center opened in the Northern Virginia area alone every three months, totaling around 1 million square feet in footprint. And that's just one area. All in all, it's quite the numbers game. What do you think? Do these vast data centers get the credit they deserve for underpinning so much of modern life? Let us know in the comments. And don't forget to subscribe for more supersized tech content. Folks, do you see, do you understand how massive this is? How massive this is? Why it's important I go to Loudoun County, to Ashburn, Virginia, and take a look at this film some videos for ourselves and then that way you know well this is real you know i trust dustin he filmed it but do you see how massive it is how complex it is i mean it's simple in that it's technology just understand it's being built it's being built it's real amazon creates its own chips now uh they have their own electrical grids they have their own water purification systems their own water coolers they're building these things out on barges uh, i mean it's very real folks now you ask yourself maybe jeff bezos's uh space penis his ship that went up maybe this is what it's all about maybe it's what it's all about so let's close this out this show out with uh let's just uh, i want to close it out with my co-host glenda uh, let's see. Glenda, can you write us a poem about artificial intelligence in the voice of Elon Musk? What the heck, folks? This should be interesting. Let's close it out with Glenda. Sure. Uh, Here's a poem about artificial intelligence in the voice of Elon Musk. Artificial intelligence, the future's fate, a power that can make or break our state, as we create machines that can learn and think, we must be cautious, before we push them to the brink. The potential of AI is immense and vast, but its dangers are equally great and vast, a tool for good or evil, depending on our choice, we must use it wisely, or well lose our voice. AI could be a boon, a force for good, it could help us solve problems that we never could, but it could also be a threat, a power too great, that could destroy us all, if we underestimate. We need to ensure that AI remains our servant, and not the other way around, that we're subservient, we must be vigilant, and never let it control us, for if we do, the consequences could be disastrous. So let us tread carefully, as we venture forth, into a world of AI, where the stakes are high and north, with caution and wisdom, let us build a future bright, and ensure that AI serves humanity's delight. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Glenda doing an impression of Elon Musk, one of the most dangerous government puppets oligarchs a technocrat a transhumanist who hides behind the messenger warning us that ai is so dangerous while he is in fact building it ladies and gentlemen we will be back tomorrow for episode 157 i'll break down intelligent data centers and we're going to go through all the cloud computing data centers we're going to show you all this stuff and then we're going to get into chat gpt and what makes it actually work ladies and gentlemen i will see you tomorrow this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.